You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So we are continuing through the book of John, the Gospel of John. And today we're going to get into the 10th chapter. But before we do that, I've got a question for you, kind of trivia. Of all the animals mentioned in the Bible, what would you guess is the one that's mentioned most frequently? Sheep. Sheep. I heard sheep. I, heard, I think I heard sheep. So yes, that's the answer. Um, and if you looked at the sermon title, that might have been a giveaway. But sheep. Over 500 times the Bible mentions sheep. Now, I grew up in a big city. And outside of taking cotton balls and gluing them to construction paper, that's about as close as I got to sheep growing up. Well, the Bible uses the image of sheep and shepherd to get us to think about the relationship that we have with God. Well, let me tell you a little bit about sheep. They're not very smart. They're not fierce. And so what sheep really are, are pacifist vegetarians. (laughs) That means that they are very vulnerable to predators. That's where the shepherd comes in. So the shepherd would devote themselves to the oversight and protection of the flock. And in this section today, and from the Bible, John chapter 10, it talks a lot about shepherd and sheep. Now, here's what we got to know before we get into the passage. Who's the shepherd? That's Jesus. Who's the sheep? We are. I thought you said sheep weren't very smart. and, And yeah, that's correct. Here we learn three things that sheep need. First six verses, we're going to start here. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, this is Jesus speaking. And it's it's like him starting saying, look, I'm telling you the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. He's talking about himself being the good shepherd. And we, God's people, as the sheep. And there are three things that we need as sheep. Number one, we need a shepherd. In that day, any sheep who didn't have a shepherd was a dead sheep. Sheep needed a shepherd to continually provide and protect, to lead and to love So what a shepherd would do is devote their whole life to watching out for, taking care of, being over the well-being of the flock. The shepherd would lead them to good pasture during the daytime so they could graze and grow. And and then at night to lead them into a safe area. And if any thane or anyone tried to harm them, the shepherd would stand in between in harm's way. Here's the big idea. You need a shepherd. His name is Jesus. 
He loves his sheep. He's devoted to his sheep. And what I want you to hear today and what I want you to see today is not so much things that are new, but just those things that we need to keep in practice. So the first thing is you've got a shepherd on your life. You see, you're the follower, not the leader. Some people think that God should follow them. No, we're to follow God. Some people think that God should obey them. No, we are to obey God. That's the relationship between sheep and shepherd. And what Jesus is saying here is that he is the good shepherd and you and I need him desperately. Now, in addition to Jesus, there are people that God positions, appoints in our life to be shepherds. That language is used throughout the Bible and particularly in the New Testament. One book in, uh, in particular is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. It talks about Jesus as the chief shepherd, but that there are other shepherds as well. Think about it. Moms are shepherds. Dads are shepherds. Ministry leaders. You're shepherds. Your job is to love, to lead, protect, provide. So, number one, you need a shepherd. Number two, you need a flock. Sheep are social animals. They tend to do better together. Isolated, they tend to be in grave danger. And if you're a part of our flock, welcome. We're glad you're here. This is a group of wonderful folks, and you need both. You need Jesus, and you need to be part of the family of sheep. Now, let me say this. There's no guarantee that just because you are an active part of a church on a regular basis, maybe you attend regularly, not just worship, but other things as well, Sunday school and youth group and Bible studies. There's no guarantee that the person who does that won't still get derailed by the world. But I've seen firsthand that those who do make that a priority, that, that coming to worship, being a part of a growing small group somehow, that the people who do that tend to fight for their marriages more. They tend to have kids that are less likely to go down a path of destruction. They find support and encouragement and accountability from fellow believers. And number three, the third thing that sheep need they need to know the shepherd's voice. Jesus says it this way, the sheep listen to his voice. See, God calls out to his people and those who are his true people hear him. And what Jesus is saying is that the sheep hear his voice, they respond to him and you're like, yeah, I, I wanna get to know Jesus. I wanna learn from Jesus. So Jesus is calling, he calls you. And he wants you to respond to him. And he calls you to begin this relationship. And he keeps calling you over and over and over to continue this relationship. Now, one of the questions that gets asked is, how does Jesus speak to me? How does he reveal himself? Well, one of the primary ways is through his word. So that you're reading it and you're like, wow, God is talking to me here. Yeah. That's because you're the sheep. He's the shepherd. He's leading you to an understanding. Another way that we listen to the good shepherd is when we pray. We talk, we listen. 
Another way is through godly counsel. Those are people who love you and love the Lord, and they will help you to determine God's will for your life. The whole point of all this is to listen to the shepherd, to walk with the shepherd, to follow the shepherd. Again, all of this is basic stuff, but we need that reminder because all too often, instead of listening to the shepherd, we're listening to the voices of culture. Instead of following the shepherd, we're following something or someone else. Instead of flocking together as the people of God, we get isolated, and as a result, we're vulnerable. These are basic things that a sheep needs to put into practice. So it'll allow you to grow and mature as a follower of Jesus. And the reason we're highlighting this is because so many people, they're not doing this. And even if they try, it's not becoming a a practice, a, a lifestyle. Well, then next, Jesus is going to tell us five things about himself as the good shepherd. So picking back up at verse 7, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you that he's telling the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, saved from Satan and hell and sin and the wrath of God. You see, there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. He continues, they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Sounds just like our world right now, doesn't it? All of our breaking news stories can be summed up in half a verse. But he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is sheep that are being led out into good pasture. They're joyful. They are growing and maturing. They're free. He continues, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf come and he abandons the sheep and runs away, then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Five things about Jesus as our good shepherd. Number one, he tells the truth. Friends, this is a tremendous gift. We live in an age where it's hard to tell what the truth is. There's so much bogged down in spin and hype and mudslinging that you don't know what's real. Jesus tells the truth. And you can't live your life nor prepare for your eternal life If you don't know the truth about who God really is, who you really are, what Jesus has really done, and what really happens when you die. Number two, Jesus warns us about false shepherds, the thief, the robber, the the wolf. I'm not trying to seek to put fear in anybody, but sometimes there are on occasions leadership in church that are false. They're the thief. They're all they care about is using the sheep. They're the robber. They're not there to help. They're there to harm. And they're only looking out for themselves. 
or they're the wolf. And once they get into the flock, there's danger. Now, that's not even close to being anything remote to what we experience here at Benton Heights. But be aware of others who are not following the good shepherd so that you're not following them. You know someone's a good leader when they help you love Jesus. They help you know Jesus. They help you follow Jesus. Number three, Jesus warns us about the hired hands. For some people, it's a job, and that's all it is. For others, it's a calling. What's the difference? How many of you moms realize you don't have a job, you have a calling? 3 a.m., the kid gets sick and is screaming. You can't say, these are my off hours. You want to throw up, it's 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. The difference between a calling and a job is that the calling becomes a lifestyle, and you are going to have to do it because that's what God has called you to do. It's what God wants you to do. It's been a while since I, I've done this, I think, but let me share my sense of call with you. You know, when we're, when we're kids and people ask all the time, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to learn so that you can become when, when you grow up? I don't remember what I used to answer, but in 10th grade, that question was asked of me. What do you want to do? And somehow I just blurted out, be a minister. I'm like, where did that come from? I'm like, okay, God, this must be your plan. So in my mind, it was easy. It was finish high school, attend college, and then enter seminary. Nope. About my junior year in college, I got a little fearful of that plan. And I reasoned that God was closing that door. I didn't know what God had in store for me. But after I graduated college, I began working at a grocery store in Jacksonville, Florida. I had a degree in religion, and I was trying to save the produce. <laughs> a few months later, Lori and I were married, and she kept saying, I know you're going into ministry. And I kept telling her, you're not listening to me. <laughs> you see how that worked out. I then began to teach math in a junior or senior high school. Three years later, I enrolled in graduate school to pursue a master's degree in religion, thinking, okay, at least teach on a college level. I think that's what I want to do. You notice that language. That's what I thought I wanted to do. So Lori and I left Jacksonville. We moved three hours away. Now, Lori is the oldest in her family, the first to get married, so I moved her away from her family. She was raised Catholic. She became Presbyterian, so I took her away from the religious upbringing that she had from her family. So here we are, brand new town, didn't know anyone. And as an incoming graduate student, there was an informal meal and gathering at one of the professor's homes simply to get to know other graduates in the program. No big deal. Have a meal, have fellowship together. What I wasn't counting on is that God was going to stir my heart that night. So on our way back to our apartment that we had just moved into, hadn't even started a class yet, I knew I had to say something to Lori about that stirring in my heart. So my hands are on the wheel. I'm looking straight ahead. I'm leaning into the driver's door to get a little further away from the swing because I wasn't sure how she was going to react. Problem was, we were in a Honda Accord, 
couldn't make a whole lot of space. I needed a Hummer. (laughs) But what I didn't account for is that God was also stirring her heart. So here I am driving to the apartment. I'm looking straight ahead. And I said, Lori, something doesn't feel right. Without skipping a beat, she said, you know what? I felt it too. I'm like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) And that set us on a on a different path that fast forward two years later, we were in the Atlanta area where I started the first of three years of seminary. That was 34 years ago. And God has been calling me ever since to preach and to teach and to tell others of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. What Jesus is saying to us in this passage, be careful of those who don't love the sheep. And you'll know it when danger comes, when a wolf comes. Because what is a shepherd supposed to do? They're going to fight. Think of David, shepherd boy, Old Testament. Before he became king, as a shepherd boy, we're told that he would fight off bears and lions on behalf of keeping his flock safe. What would happen with a hireling? What happens with a hired hand? Jesus tells us. A wolf comes, (laughs) that person's gone. It's like, I quit. I'm out of here. Number four, Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Sometimes when we see Jesus being crucified in our place for our sins, we might think of that as, as he's being a victim. He's not. He's a victor. He says, I lay down my life and I take it up again. This would be like a police officer who sees someone in harm's way and steps in the middle and they know exactly what to do. Same thing with a soldier who would see maybe a a group of people in harm's way and they step in the middle and they know exactly what to do. Now the difference is you and I are not innocent. The attack of Satan, the sentence of hell we deserve, is something we have earned through our rebellion. But out of great love, like a good shepherd, Jesus stands in the middle between us and sin, between us and death, between us and hell, between us and the wrath of God. And all of this is about the cross of Jesus, where he literally, willingly laid down his life, and then he takes it up again. Here's what I need you to know. Jesus loves people. This is good news. Jesus loves you. Sometimes we wonder why. Why would Jesus love me? It's not because I'm good. It's because he's good. And I want you to see something else about this relationship with Jesus. It begins with love and forgiveness. Jesus begins by laying down his life out of love and forgiveness for the sheep. This is what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about, that we have a good shepherd who came down from heaven to earth and stands in the middle. And he laid down his life out of love for the forgiveness of his sheep. And let me tell you more good news. You don't work for God's love. You work from God's love. There may be people in your life that you have to work for their love. You have to earn their love. Not with Jesus. 
You don't earn his love. He gives you his love. You don't work for it. You work from it. You get that love poured in, and it's out of that then you're doing work for him. This is one of the reasons Christianity is different than every other religion. Because Jesus Christ is different than anyone else. Some people will say, well, all religions teach the same thing. No, they don't. Other religions teach that you need to lay down your life first in order to be forgiven and loved by God. Christianity alone teaches that the good shepherd lay down his life for us so that we can have that love and forgiveness from God. The relationship starts with his love and forgiveness. Here's what I want you to know. You don't have to walk with Jesus. You get to walk with Jesus. And there is no joy in walking with anyone else. And number five, the Lord Jesus tells us that he knows his sheep by name and his sheep know him. In that day, sheep were given names, just like we would with pets. Didn't matter how many they had, they all had names. So when a, a shepherd was ready to bring them out of a pen, his sheep, he would literally call them by name, they would come. What that means is that if you're a Christian or going to become one today, it's because Jesus Christ has called you by name. How many of you have moved here from somewhere else and once you got here, nobody knew you? Well, that was our experience 25 years ago. Everywhere we went, no one knew us. I mean, outside of just a small pocket of people in the church, and certainly nobody knew our name. I actually thought I found someone who could be an immediate friend the very first weekend we were in Monroe. Our church then was across the street from Duke's Grill. And it was on a Saturday. And I had heard that that's the place. You know, that's, hey, that's one of the local hangouts. You want to know people, go to Duke's, right? Still kind of is. So it was on a Saturday. Why not? Let's do lunch there. I walk in. And who's one of the first people I see? Is this guy wearing a Florida Gators t-shirt. I thought, this is awesome. So I went up to him and I said, I like your shirt. And I should have known when he had to look down to see what he was wearing that he wasn't really a fan. <laughs> and then he said, oh, I got this at Goodwill. <laughs> um, I knew I was not going to be a long, lifelong friend with this guy. I don't even think I gave him my name. <laughs> Jesus knows you by name. Jesus calls you by name. See, God is personal. God is relational. If you belong to Jesus, it is, in fact, evidence and proof that the good shepherd has called you by name. Now, some of you may be asking, does God still speak to me? Yes, he does. But if you're asking that question, it may be because you're not listening or you don't like what he's saying. He speaks through his word. His word is truth, but maybe you don't like what it says. But remember, he is the good shepherd. And he's trying to lead you away from danger. He's seeking to lead you, to heal you, to love you. 
He does speak to you. And then he wants you to respond to him. What we're talking about here is a loving, forgiving, relational God. To this point, he's talked about the sheep. He's talked about the shepherds. And now he's going to talk about the bigger flock called Christianity. So we pick that up at verse 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason, next verse, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. So he, he keeps repeating that. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. You see, Jesus is not being a victim. He's being victorious. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. The command, this command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? You know, I can't think of anything more loving than that relationship between shepherd and sheep and those who are truly his He's the shepherd. And when he calls, they run to him. But when those who are not his sheep hear his voice, they run at him to attack. But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The first thing Jesus is telling us is that the Christian church his big flock includes people of all nations. He says that he has sheep not of this pen. Now, he's speaking mostly to Jewish people. And so what he's saying is, there is about to start this movement called Christianity. And it will take all people from all nations and tribes and languages and tongues and races and I will call out to them, and they will respond. So ultimately, it'll be global. There has never been in the history of the world any movement of any sort as big as the Christian church. So here's what we have today. We have our little flock here at Benton Heights. We are one among many churches all over the world that love and serve the Lord. But ultimately, there's really only one flock, and that's the Christian church. And Jesus sees that whole church as one flock. And then he says this, that he is the one shepherd, that ultimately the goal of anyone in leadership is to follow him and encourage others to follow him. So if you have an opportunity, you're a small group leader, you're a... a, a Bible study leader, Sunday school leader, you work with kids or youth, you're up here on the chancel, you lead, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a grandmother, a grandfather, anyone who has an opportunity to shepherd people is to remember that those people that you're shepherding already belong to Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say that his sheep hear his voice and they listen and he will lay down his life 
for those sheep and he'll raise it up again and Jesus keeps emphasizing this we heard it two or three times in this passage he keeps saying it over and over until we get it he wants a relationship with you how many of you at some point in your life you've walked away from Jesus and you found that your life didn't go any better how many of you have walked with Jesus and never regretted one step of the journey Jesus says he's not only the shepherd, but what kind of shepherd is he? He's good. That means that we not only follow him, we not only trust him, but everything that he's about is for our good. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.